Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Good morning. Can we give the Lord another hand, amen, this morning? We, I think we can do better. Clap like whoever claps the loudest is going to get everything on your Christmas list this year. Oh! That's much better, much better. <laughs> they don't want to stop. Lord, you saw me clapping. I was the last one to stop clapping, Lord. Give me what I want. So uh, I want to welcome everybody. This is week number two of our Christmas series. The, the title of our Christmas series is, is Hope is on the Way. And uh, what a blessing it was last week. Um, you know, Mary and I not being here, but knowing what, what Gary spoke on and getting to hear a little bit of it. But uh, going through this series, I'm just unbelievably excited about what God is doing. You know, I think about it every time Christmas comes around, um, we typically do a series. We all know that that next Sunday, some of these empty seats prayerfully will be filled. We'll have people who maybe don't go to church often, but they believe. We'll have people who don't believe, but they feel like they need to be in church on Christmas. And we're excited about that. Uh, that's an opportunity for God to minister to them. Somebody say amen. amen. So I want to encourage you guys to reach out to your friends, reach out to your family. Not like uh, just what Gary said about the youth and inviting friends to, to the party on Friday, the same on Wednesday here, but to come to church on Sunday. And, and who knows if this will be the Sunday that their lives change forever. Amen. When I think about it, though, I love our series around Christmas or around Easter because those of us who are in the faith and faithful to a church you know, Christmas service, a lot of times, is just the climax. We've been building up, and we've been learning, and we've been growing. Uh, for me, I think Sunday's going to be great next week, but to me, this is the climax of our series. It's titled, the series itself is titled, Hope is on the Way, and the message today is titled, Hope is on the Way. So you are in the right place. I'm glad you're here today, and I, I hope you're blessed. I think we sang the perfect song um, as part of our Christmas kind of services, but, but definitely this morning, uh, Love Came Down. Ray, if you could put the lyrics up. This song that we sang today, it said, Love came down, hope was found, a star lit the sky, the angels cried glory, Light broke through the darkest night. Hope is alive. Hope is alive. Man, hope is on the way. Amen? Amen. So on Wednesday night, we're finishing up our Bible study, not just finishing up the book of Hebrews, but truly finishing up our Bible study for the uh, foreseeable future. But we're going through the book of Hebrews, and we spent a lot of time this last week looking at a particular verse and talking about angels. So I'm thinking about this song, and I'm thinking about our Hebrew study. I'm thinking about our Christmas series. And uh, the actual verse was Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So we learned a lot on Wednesday. For those of us who were here, had a chance to listen in the app uh, but also when it comes to our Christmas series, this idea of hope is on the way, I thought about how angels in the scriptures are always giving people hope. They speak about things that are to come, they encourage people, and they truly do, um, when you read through the, through the word, they give people hope. We have stories like Abraham, and an angel comes and says, hey, you and Sarah are gonna be with child. Read back through that story in, in Genesis, and, and Sarah laughs because she says, well, I'm way beyond the age of that, right? And then the angel says to her, the Lord says to her, why are you laughing? She says, I didn't laugh. He says, you did laugh. <laughs> but he's giving them hope. When the womb is dead and when they're too old to, to bring life into the world, 
An angel comes with a message of hope. In terrible situations, you see Lot, and he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, and the whole city is about to be uh, burned to the ground. But an angel shows up to Lot and says to him, a, a couple of angels show up and say to him, listen, we want to give you and your family hope. If you're willing to listen, if you're willing to be obedient, if you'll flee, you can escape the judgment that's coming upon this city. So an angel shows up with hope. In Joshua, he comes up against Jericho and this uh, insurmountable feat of trying to take this city. The angel shows up and says, be strong, be courageous. I'm going to give you victory, gives hope. In Daniel, Daniel finds himself in the lion's den, right? He's going to be devoured. And what do we know? We hear the story that an angel shows up and um, stops the mouths of the lions, right? The king comes back the next day and Daniel's still alive. Worst situation, maybe he had found himself in up until that point, And an angel comes and gives him hope. In the New Testament, we see the women at the tomb and they're sad and they're wondering, what are we going to do? And an angel shows up and rolls the stone away first of all, so that they get access that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And then he gives them more hope and he says, hey, by the way, he's not here. He's risen. There's hope. You came here to anoint a dead body, but you don't have to do that because he's alive and he's risen and you're going to see him again. <clears throat> the angels cried glory in the song that we sang. Last one, you can read about the archangel Michael and his angels literally battling with, with Satan and his angels in heaven and this battle that takes place and he casts them out. The Lord cast them out of, uh, of heaven. And there's this, actually, I think we have a picture. Ray, can you put that one up? Famous picture here of, of the archangel Michael doing battle with Satan. Read through it in Revelation. I won't tell you where it is, but go and find it. And just think about angels and what they do and how much the hope they give us. Literally battling in heaven and casting out Satan and his demons because they don't belong there. <clears throat> I think in uh, the last song we sang, Flood the Earth, we kept singing, uh, Darkness Has to Flee. Right? So these angels also play a, a major role when we start to look at Christmas and bringing in hope uh, to people in this Christmas story. The archangel Gabriel shows up to Zacharias and he says, you guys are going to have a child, you and your old lady, literally old, not nifty over 50. <laughs> They said, it's not nifty over 50. What did they say? Oldies but goodies. That's how it was for uh, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, right? They showed up and said, hey, you're oldie but goodie, but you're going to have a son. He's going to be named John. He's going to make straight the way of the Lord. And these, this couple has hope, All right? This is the beginning of the Christmas story. Gabriel comes and he tells Mary that she's going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and that that child is going to be the Messiah and the Savior of his people. Talk about a Christmas story and bringing hope coming from this angel. Another angel shows up to Joseph and says, listen, love your wife, your wife-to-be, right? She's faithful. She's true to you. She's true to God. She's going to be blessed. And the angel encourages him and says, take care of that child. <laughs> you have no idea how valuable this little boy is going to be. Amen. They show up and they give us hope. And then finally, an angel tells these shepherds that are in the field, hey, there's a child. He's been born. He's in a manger. Go and find him. And they leave from that hill and those sheep, and they have this immense amount of hope as they go looking for the child. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 says, but, everybody say but. but. Say but. but. But to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? The scripture says that all these great things and all this hope that these angels consistently bring to people, he says, but they cannot compare to Jesus. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, having accomplished his work, and the Lord says to him, I will make all of your enemies your footstools. However, these angels, your ministering spirits, I'm going to send you out to minister to men, women, young men, young women, and children. Those who will inherit salvation, God has sent them with a message of hope for us, to tell us that hope is on the way. Last week's message was about hopelessness. This morning, we're going to see that hope's on the way. But as we planned for this series, uh, we were talking about it, and we said, how can we get people to understand how important it is that hope is on the way, how important it is to see how hope has arrived 
if they don't start off with understanding how hopeless they are without the Lord. You know, for Gary to speak on that uh, was a big deal. And I hope that you guys were blessed by the message that you were really listening to what the Lord had to say, because he really wrestled with it because he's one of the most hopeful people I know. The last thing he wanted to talk about was hopelessness. He's, he's preparing the message and we're going back and forth. And, and next thing you know, it starts to veer into hope. <laughs> like, dude, stick to hopelessness. And then we're talking about the next concept. And then next thing you know, he's got these scriptures that are all about hope. I'm like, dude, let's stick to hopelessness. <laughs> He says, I can't. There's so much hope. There's so much love. Jesus is so good. I said, I know that, but we got to see how hopeless we are first. Amen. And then when I saw him after the message, he's like, hey, man, I just want to apologize. I kind of talked a little bit about how good Jesus is. He <laughs> said, you can't help yourself, bro. Amen. But isn't that so good when you can't stop talking about Jesus? In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying the same thing. Look, if you're well, if you're healthy, if you're strong, right? If you're not sick, there's nothing that I can do for you. If you don't recognize that you're hopeless, why, why do you need someone to come and bring you hope? He says, I came for the sick. I came for the unrighteous to make them righteous. It might sound a little off, but that's the first thing I want everybody to know is that you are hopeless without Jesus. You are sick without Jesus. And then maybe we can turn to him and say, Lord, will you heal us? Will you make us healthy? Will you make us whole? And will you give us hope? So one of the things he talked about in hopelessness uh, last week is a condition of hopelessness. That by default, man is born hopeless. That is the, the... factory setting on you when you're born. (laughs) When you open up a new phone, the factory setting, right? The factory setting of your life is hopelessness. You are a sinner. You are separated from God. We see a beautiful new baby boy, Malachi, back there in the back. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Malachi. (laughs) Amen. And I hate to say it, but his his factory setting is sinner. doesn't look like it now. Maybe there's been a couple nights where he don't want to sleep and you're like, I knew it. (laughs) But Gary kind of spoke on that. You know, we come separated from God. We come as sinners. We come hopeless. And when we're faced with that, we begin to look at, you know, pretending as if there is no God to try to make ourselves feel better and to deal with the hopelessness. He talked about a position of hopelessness that we try to overcome with temporary happiness, right? If we're sad, we eat. If we're frustrated, we shop, <laughs> right? If we're lonely, we get a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And we try to substitute that hopelessness, that position that keeps, we keep finding ourselves in with happiness, but it's only temporary. It never actually fully deals with our hopelessness, right? That happiness wears off. Those new shoes get dirty. That boyfriend starts to stink, right? All that stuff <laughs> happens. So not only is it a condition by default that we're born into, but it's a position we often find ourselves in. Somebody say amen. Man, I thought I was happy, and now I'm hopeless again. My favorite part was the idea that when we realize that not believing in God or we realize that that happiness is only temporary is that we find ourselves in a prison that we can't escape from. You have this epiphany that, man... Pretending as if there's no God is not going to work. I know that I'm just trying to convince myself. And hoping that I'll be happy always is not going to work either. And you find yourself in a prison that seems to be inescapable. We talked about depression and suicide a lot when we were preparing this, this message about hope being on the way and this series about hope being on the way. And the world would have you to believe that there's something wrong with people who are depressed and something wrong with people who commit suicide, that they're mentally unstable. And every time you see a tragedy in the world, what do they say? Uh, They're mentally unstable. They're mentally unstable. I would want you to consider this morning that maybe they're not mentally unstable. Maybe they've just come to realize, right, that there is a God they don't know, and there is a prison that they cannot escape from. And it's too much for them to handle. 
It's too much for them to imagine getting up and continuing to live in that world that they know is not ultimately going to change for them. They begin to see that education, money, relationships, sex, status, are never gonna give them what they desperately need and they just can't imagine continuing to go forward with that day after day, month after month, year after year. I see two problems with this. Number one, too many of us never get to that place where we realize that there's no hope in that stuff. It's not a problem with them, there's actually a problem with many of us that we never realize that there's no hope there. And the second problem, which is even bigger, is that when people do get to that place, there's nobody to tell them, hey, there's hope on the way. There's somebody who can change this for you. There's something that's been sent and provided for you that'll change everything. That'll put all those other areas in, of your life into their proper place. So this morning I wanna pray and then I wanna share with you uh, that message that hope is on the way. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this series. I thank you for this church. I thank you that every year we get to remember uh, your birth, hope coming for us, Lord, us not having to, to go and find it, but it being sent for us and on our behalf, Lord God. I thank you that in the past, there used to be an annual coming to the temple, Lord, where sacrifices for sin could be made, but all that has been changed, Lord. One sacrifice has been made, final and ultimately, Lord God, so rather than doing that every year, we come back and we just rejoice and celebrate you. I ask that you would have your way uh, with the remainder of this series. I ask that you would help each and every one of us who are here this morning to really understand what Christmas is about and to open our mouths, Lord. Let us be a witness, let us be a testimony, let our lives shine with the light of Christ, but let us talk to somebody about the child that came over this next couple of weeks, Lord. Let it not just be Merry Christmases and hugs and presents, Lord. But I just ask, Lord, that you would give us a divine appointment, a one-on-one -on -one conversation maybe, Lord, to talk to somebody about what really matters most, Lord. Hope was on the way. Hope has arrived, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So the Lord has sent you guys an angel this morning to tell you that hope is on the way. You're looking at me like you didn't know that there were black angels. <laughs> you thought they were all blonde-haired and blue-eyed like you see in the pictures. I hope each of you meet a black angel <laughs> one of these days. <sighs> so angels, story of an angel bringing hope is what I want to share with you guys this morning. I'm going to be sharing with you out of the book of uh, Daniel chapter 10. No, I don't think that I'm an angel, but one thing we did learn about on, on Wednesday night is that when Jesus says, when the Lord says that angels are ministering spirits to minister to those who will inherit salvation, right? That the Lord still does that. He sends men and women, both heavenly beings and earthly beings, to minister to people, which makes them, quote unquote, an angel, one sent by the Lord to minister. Amen? Amen. Amen. So be an angel to somebody else and uh, be on the lookout. Entertain strangers because the Lord often sends people to minister to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to look at this story, Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to read uh, the chapter, verse 1 through 21. Amazing, amazing portion of scripture. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel. Say Daniel. Daniel. Whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and, he, and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen was, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Say alone. alone. 
For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned into frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Stop there real quick, verse 8. So here he is, weak, he has no strength. He used to be, uh, he said, I used to have vigor, but now I'm frail. I think part of that has to do with this three weeks of fasting and praying, not eating or drinking anything, but also this heavenly vision of an angel standing before you. If that doesn't make you a little weak in the knees, I don't know what will. So there he is. Picture him in that state. Verse 9. He says, yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and the, on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and I became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come, but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. What a story. Amen? Amen. Angels, fights, wars, help, strength, weakness, all kinds of stuff. It sounds a little bit out there at first initially, but I think as we go through it, hopefully you see yourself uh, in this story. So just a few things that I want to share with you. Number one this morning, hope is about your future. Say future. future. Verse 1 of uh, Daniel chapter 10 said, The message was true, but the appointed time was long. He understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So it's great that the message is true. It's great that you understand the message. It's great that you see the vision and you see it clearly. But I think sometimes when it comes to hope, we forget the fact that it's about the future. It's not about right now. The appointed time was long. You have to ask yourself, when it comes to hope, when it comes to your life, when it comes to the things you're praying about, are you more concerned with them happening and happening soon? Or are you concerned with hearing from God, right? And that's it. If he told you, listen, you're hearing from me, you see me, the vision is true, but it's not going to happen for 10 years. Yeah. Lord, I want a marriage. Oh, you're going to have one 10 years from now. Lord, I want a child. You're going to have one 10 years from now. Lord, I need better finances. Oh, it's on its way 10 years from now. How many of you will be satisfied? How many of you will remain faithful? How many of you will love harder and stronger? Yes. Hope is about our future. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 says, Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? We talk about hope. We're a people of hope, but do we understand hope? Paul says, listen, if you see it already, it's not hope. Why are you hoping for something that's already in your pocket, already in your hand, already come to fruition? It's got to be something that is not tangible yet. It's in your future. Hope is alive, we sing. <laughs> Hebrews 6.19 says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. 
It's talking about Jesus and he's our hope. Why do you need an anchor? It's because you don't actually have what it is that you've been waiting for, but the anchor keeps you where you need to be, knowing that someday you will have what you've been hoping for and what you've been waiting for. Hope is about the future. I hope we, <laughs> I hope we get that. We'd be a lot less frustrated with our current circumstances. Think about that, men and women, young men and women of hope. Do we spend our time talking to people about our current situation, circumstances, hardships, struggles, things that are upsetting us, things that are discouraging us, or do we spend our time speaking about what we hope is going to happen in the future? Most of the time when I have conversations with people, and don't feel bad about this, we are human, but we have to become superhuman. We have the Holy Spirit alive inside of us. So don't feel bad, but most of the time I talk to people, all they can see is the, the negative and the bad and what they're feeling and going through right now. I would love if somebody said, this is the negative, this is the bad, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, I'm so sick of it, I'm so tired of it, but I have such great hope that this is going to turn into this. If not us, who can speak like that? Hope is for the future. Say future. future. Number two, hope is personal and specific. Verse 7 of uh, Daniel chapter 10 says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. <laughs> the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. I love it. He was in a crew. He had a group. He had friends. He had family. They were running together. But when God wanted to bring hope and clarity and vision and direction, he gave it to Daniel for Daniel. Hope is individual and hope is specific. We have the group hope, right? The Christmas story belongs to all of us. But the Vaughn story belongs to me. The Mary story belongs to her. Your story belongs to you. God is not giving you a one-size-fits-all hope, right? He's giving you the hope that has your name and address on it. Yes. <laughs> you know, one of the most amazing things about vision, and this is something I've learned as, as a pastor, this is something I learned as a disciple, right? It's a supernatural thing to come underneath somebody else's vision and give your life to it because it's, not, it's just not normal, it just really isn't. But when you see the disciples in the Bible coming under Jesus and committing themselves all of their life to that vision, when you see ministries where men and women come under the vision of somebody else, it's a, it's a lot like this, right? Nobody but Daniel saw this vision. So when the other leaders within a church say, man, I see your vision and we believe that God gave it to you and we're going to give ourselves to it, that's something special. Yes. But it's not normal and average that's why Jesus says there ain't going to be many disciples. He says, listen, I had thousands of people following me, but only 12 disciples. And even one of the 12 was Judas. Because <laughs> it takes something special to do that. Hope is personal. Hope is specific. I think God wants to bring hope into your life all the time, but specifically during this Christmas season. But if you're shopping for the same things that everybody else is shopping for, don't expect anything from God. Amen. If you're logging on to Amazon, somebody else is logging on to Amazon. If you're going to whatever your favorite store is in the mall, you ain't going to be the only one in there because everybody else can get that same shirt. Everybody else can get that same book. Everybody else can get whatever it is. They can go wherever you want to go. But what you should be looking for is, man, Lord, what's under the tree that only has my name on it? What's the one thing that when you speak, everybody that was hanging around will flee? They won't hear it. They won't see it. But you'll be speaking directly to me. What a Christmas that would be. Amen. I love that we get to rejoice and celebrate together because we all know the giver of hope. But there's something more special about individually rejoicing for the hope that you've been given. Amen. You know, during worship, as, as, you know, that last song, and we kept praying, we kept singing, and, and Mary said that, you know, if you're dealing with something, anxiety or fear or whatever it was, that you got to raise your hands, and you've got to just give that to God, right? And I was thinking to myself, I know what the message the Lord gave me, and I was thinking to myself, man, Lord, is this the moment where people hear the hope that you have for them? 
it looks like a group worship service, but it's really not. This is a bunch of individuals saying, I'm dealing with this specifically, Lord. Pour hope, overflowing. Devin's singing, right? Overflow, overflow. Pour that into this situation, not a group situation. We ain't all drinking the same Kool-Aid. My situation needs a specific kind of hope. A lot of people think I'm, I'm crazy, especially the leaders when we begin to talk about certain things and ministries and whatnot, because I'm always thinking like that, like, Lord, this is not a random worship service. This is not a time to come in and say, oh, is it song service again? I'll, I'll, I'll be in at the second or third song, or I got something else going on. Or No, it's a time to say, right now in this moment, you knew we'd be in this room singing to you, and if you wanted to give us something, this is when you would do it. The world is, is moving in the opposite direction. We have uh, front door delivery, two-day service now. We have ring doorbell, so you don't have to be home, right? The doorbell can just tell you that somebody came, and then you act like you're home, and you say, hey, I uh, appreciate the package. Just leave it right there. <laughs> and you know what's funny? That's how we want to be with God now, though. Oh, I don't even have to be there, Lord. I'm sure this is being broadcast. I'm sure that I'm going to listen in the app, right? I'm sure that if I miss something and there was a testimony that somebody gave, I can hear about it later. I'll just do the spiritual ring doorbell as if I'm there. That's not how it works. <laughs> you got to be there. <laughs> you got to be engaged. You can be in the room when the worship is happening, but if you're not worshiping, nothing is going to happen to you. Hope is personal. Hope is specific. Hope is about your future. Number three, I want to talk about the conduit of hope. Conduit is what uh, allows something to get from one place to the next. Okay? So, for instance, we have electrical boxes in this room, and then those, those pipes going up the wall are conduit. In themselves, there's not a lot to it, but there's a wire that's running through that, that the power is in that goes to these lights. And that's how everything works in life. There's a source of power somewhere, there's a destination that it needs to get to, and then what connects those two things is a conduit. So what is the conduit of hope? Verse 11 says, he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. So there's these words that Daniel needs to understand. There's an angel that's been sent to give him these words. But the conduit that all of that flows through is love. See, a lot of times we forget about the love of God, right? We want to understand the message. We want to get what he has for us. We want to be where we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do. And all that's great. But the first thing that he said to him is what? Oh, Daniel, beloved man of God. He's saying, listen, because you love God and because God loves you, that's how these messages are getting through. That's how the hope is going to come into your life. It's because you're madly in love with God and he's madly in love with you. Are you madly in love with Jesus? Because that's how the hope comes. <laughs> Thinking about last week's message about hopelessness and thinking about, like we said, the end of that is death, destruction, depression, right? Suicide. Why is that, that that's where it ends? Because there's no conduit of love between a man or woman and Jesus. If you have that love for the Lord, you can overcome any kind of hopelessness, right? Because there is a direct conduit to get hope and love into your life. I'm not trying to get people to fall in love with reading the Bible. I'm not trying to get people to fall in love with singing worship songs. I'm not trying to get people to fall in love with coming to church. I'm trying to get people to fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> Put your name into verse 11. The angel said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Man, if you've got that, <laughs> the piping's already done in your life, and you just got to wait for stuff to come through. The conduit is there. The conduit of hope is love. Number four, talk about hearts, humility, and hearing. Hearts, humility, and hearing. 
There's a lot for hope to get on its way, amen? Verse 12. The angel said to me, after the love in verse 11, right? Then the angel said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for for, for the first day that you set your heart, say heart, Heart. to understand and to humble yourself before God, say humble, Humble. your words were heard, say heard. And I have come because of your words. Heart, humility, and hearing. The first thing that Daniel did, he's got this love relationship with God, right? He's got the conduit that's there. But then what he has to do is he says, he has to humble his heart to understand. Amen. His heart is not looking for what he wants his heart's desire, his heart is looking to understand. You see the difference? Do you want your heart's desire or do you want to understand what God is saying? This Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. See, When we sing songs like that, what we're really singing is, if I get everything I want. (laughs) It'll be a very special Christmas for me if I get my heart's desires. But what if this Christmas, God gives me a box of understanding why I can't have anything I want? Imagine if everything you ask for, either you open the box and it's there and God says, this is for you. Or you open the box and there's a letter that says why you can't have what you asked for. That's understanding. You might not be happy that you didn't get it, but what if the Lord was able to tell you is, no, not right now, not for you. I have something better. I know why you want that, and it seems like the right thing, but it's really not. And in 10 years, you'll get something, and it'll be much better than this, but you've got to wait for it. See, when it says here in verse 12, for the first day that you set your heart to understand, what he's saying is when you made up in your mind and in your heart that you wanted to understand more than you wanted to receive what you're desired, that's when God was ready to move and start sending things through that conduit. Amen. Man, do we want to understand? It's a big question. Hope is a lot about the condition of our heart. If God can't get a word in edgewise because we have such desires where we just keep asking and keep asking, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is when I want it, this is how I want it, it's got to come. And then God tried to talk, no, but this is what I want, this is what I want. And he's like, man, if you just set your heart to understand, if you would just say, Lord, you already know the desires of my heart, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me understanding. Then he says, You set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. Humility. Lord, let's just be real about it. I don't even deserve what I'm asking you for. I got to humble myself and say, man, I don't deserve a gift. I don't deserve a present. I don't deserve a blessing. I don't deserve joy. I don't deserve happiness. That's humbling. Because we spend a lot of our time trying to convince each other what we deserve from one another. Mary, don't you know what you have? (laughs) I deserve to be treated like a king. (laughs) Right? Don't front. I'm not the only one. We don't say it like that, but our actions let them know that that's what we really think. (laughs) And then what what the angel's saying to, to Daniel is, number one, You set your heart to understand. And then number two, you didn't do to God what you do to people. You came to God with humility saying, Lord, let's just know the truth. I ain't no king. I don't deserve to be treated like one. I'm just happy to still be in the house. (laughs) And then the angel's like, yes, that's where you need to be. God's got some hope for you. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now it gets a little bit deep. What if God's not even hearing all this stuff that you've been talking? Because your heart's in the wrong place and you're too proud. 
He says, get your heart right and get humble. Quick question. What is Daniel's actual physical position during this whole story? What's that, Megan? He's on his face. He's on his hands and knees. He can't even stand up without trembling. God can hear a man like that. God can hear a woman like that. That's right. You see what I'm saying? The Lord is speaking out of the mouth of babes. I heard her earlier. She's like, I was the one that was crying outside. See, I'm humble. Trying to get the Lord to hear me. Man, heart, humility, and hearing. I want God to hear me. And if that's what it takes, then praise the Lord. Let's, let's get our hearts right and let's get humble. Amen? Amen? Hope is on the way, but this is how it comes. Last one this morning. Number five is that this means war. Amen. Think about that. Hope is about your future. Hope is personal and specific. The conduit of hope is love. We need hearts uh, that are focused on understanding. We need humility, and then God will hear us. And what does that all amount to? This means war. <laughs> this hope thing ain't an easy thing. Somebody say amen. amen. See, they're going to come next week, and it's going to be about a child and joy and salvation. He loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son. And this week, what are you guys getting? This means war. <laughs> this is hard. Humble yourselves. Get your heart right. Verse 13, Daniel 10. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the, the vision refers to many days yet to come. So he reminds him again, hey, this is about the future. However, right, when you first started praying the right way with the right heart and with humility, God heard you and he sent me. It took me a while to get here because I've been battling to get here for you. Amen. This hope don't come easy. There's a fight. There's a war, not only in our lives to be right with God and to love God in a way where he can get the hope into us for us to endure to the future, but also when God sends somebody to get a message to us, there's a battle they have to go through. When we prepare to preach messages like you heard last week, like you hear on Bible studies, right? There's a battle between when we're actually preparing and the things that actually happen in our lives before we get to speak it. Amen. When you've got a message of love for a friend or a family member, there's a battle that you have to overcome before you can actually get on the phone with them or get to see them. It happens to us time and time again. It's no different from our kingdom in heaven and our kingdom on earth. When God wants to get something into our lives, it's going to come at a cost. There's going to be a battle that has to be won. We have to understand the Lord sent the message the moment that Daniel began to pray, but it took three weeks to get there. Like I said before, I'm frustrated if Amazon promised two days and it showed up on the third. It says guaranteed two-day delivery. God's got to be more capable than Amazon, which means I should get my, my answers within minutes. If Amazon could get it from an, another country to my house in two days, God ought to be able to get it to me within five minutes. Lord, I prayed five minutes ago, and I haven't got an answer. No, this means war. This means battles. This means beings in the heavenly realm doing battle on your behalf just to get a message to you. Do you believe it? Like, I read this, and I believe it. What you should be thinking right now is, what have I been praying and what kind of battle is going on in the heavenlies for the answer to get to me? And maybe we wouldn't be sitting around acting all proud and arrogant and frustrated with God. Maybe we would be like, when is that next praying in the spirit service? When is that next praying with understanding service? When did they say I could come before service and pray in the church? Didn't they say something about worship before church starts? Man, I got to get in there and pray and worship. I know that in the heavenly realms, angels are doing battle on my behalf. Wouldn't that be the heart that we would have instead of the heart that some of us display? 
there is a war, there is a battle going on. Not only the war and the battle for our souls, which I pray that we're all aware of, the same people we hope are here next week, that's the war that's going on for their souls. We need to be praying for victory, but also in the everyday things that God wants to pour into our lives, there's a war and a battle going on. I find myself um, witnessing it more and more often. Maybe many of you can testify to this. When you know something's going on in your life or your church or a relationship and you see an argument begin to happen and you don't just say she's upsetting me or he's upsetting me, you say, oh, I know what's happening. If, if the enemy can get us to fight and argue and not focus on what's got to happen this afternoon, this meeting that we have coming up, this interview that we have coming up, if he can just get us off, he's going to win this battle. He's going to win this mini war that's going on. The church needs more men and women who understand war and who understand battles, who understand struggles, who understand strategy. You know, I heard, I heard Gary talking during tithe and offering today, and he says that his daughter came to him and said, um, do I have to give or do I have to tithe off of this that I'm raising money to go to Washington, D.C.? And it's great. Oh, yeah, he told his daughter. And you know what I'm thinking in the back? Man, that girl's going to win some wars. There's some 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds in here that will not give because they're getting whooped in this battle. But this little girl, she's learning how to fight early. You know why? Because there's going to be war, and there's going to be a battle, and there's going to be a fight. And you're either going to be victorious, you're either going to be like the archangel Michael, right? This angel's getting sent to Daniel, and he's, he's in a battle he can't win, and you know what they do? Man, somebody call Michael. Michael shows up and just destroys the enemy. The angel gets to Daniel. Daniel gets his word. We need Michaels. But we're tired of somebody telling us to tithe and offer. Good Lord, Christmas, please give us what we really need, Jesus. Please. This means war. Hope is on the way, but remember, hope is in a fight to get to you. Hope is on the way, but the fulfillment is in the future. Amen. Even after all that, when, the, when he got to Daniel, what did he say to him? I'm just trying to tell you what's going to happen later. So good. I'm going to close. Last scripture, Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. We talk about hope is on the way. This is in the beginning. It says, uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, say serpent, serpent. say devil. devil, say Satan. Satan. The Lord said to that guy, because you have done this to Eve and to Adam, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. When sin first comes into the world, first comes into mankind, God looks at the devil and he says to him, you are cursed. I'm going to separate you and your seed, the seed of, of liars, ungodly, unrighteous, men and women who will never come into heaven. I'm going to separate them from the righteous seed, the seed of the woman, Israel, all who would believe in Christ and be saved. I'm going to separate you, and the separation is going to be Jesus. And he is going to bruise your head with his heel, and you are going to bruise his heel with your head. What he's saying in the beginning, say the beginning. beginning. What he's saying in the beginning is, Hope is on the way. <laughs> Hope is on the way. Sin just got here, and God is not waiting to deal with it. He's dealing with it immediately, but what he says to you and I is, hope is on the way. It's going to take thousands of years before Jesus shows up. But on day one with sin, God said, hope is on the way. It's going to be an, the most amazing battle for that hope to get to us. It's 2018, and we're seeing people get saved on a weekly basis. We're seeing people get saved all over the world on a daily basis, which means there's been an ongoing, long battle for hope to get to people. Yeah. Amen. 
It's crazy how long it's taken and the, the amount of battles that have been fought for that hope to get to us. And even 2,000 years ago, when the symbol and the physical manifestation of that hope showed up, it showed up in a way that nobody would have expected. A little baby. Think about how crazy God is. You're in the fight of your life, and he's like, here's a baby. <laughs> You're taking casualties left and right. You got demons around you. You're having nightmares and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, here's a baby. Malachi back there is a beautiful little baby boy. As soon as he came in, you know, just like every man that's never had a baby woke him up when he was sleeping. Because I wanted to see him. Can you imagine what it would have been like when God's like, hey, remember when I told you hope was on the way and that whole bruise the heel, bruise the head thing? Here it is. A baby. I can't wait to share with you guys next week in our Christmas service that hope has arrived. But this week, I want to worship, I want to pray, I want to have communion and uh, remember that hope is on the way. We all have a situation, we all have a circumstance, we all have something that we've been dealing with. And I want God, uh, I want you to hear from the Lord uh, the same thing that he always says to us, to all of his sons and daughters that are in a loving relationship with, the, with him, hope is on the way. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. <clears throat> Hope is on the way. Hallelujah. So every time we gather, you know, you kind of heard me speaking about it. This hope has uh, an individual aspect to, um, to it. God is always speaking, and we come as a church. We come as the way. We come as a people. You know, the Bible talks about that. It says that they, are, they were called the people of the way. Makes us feel kind of special here. But that individual message that comes is an invitation to become a man, a woman, or a, a person of the way. God says, I've got things for the family. I've got things for my children. I've got things for the congregation. But the very first gift that I have for every man and every woman is the gift of salvation. You've got to open that one first. And it is a gift. Nothing you can earn, nothing that you can do on your own, nothing that you can buy or purchase. It's not for sale this Christmas, it's a free gift. The book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says to them, to us, to you this morning, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Leave that up there for a second, Ray. <laughs> It's Christmas, there's a mystery, there's a gift, it's riches, it's got great value. And what the scripture says is, God couldn't wait to make it known to you. That's what we're talking about with Daniel, like, Daniel got understanding. Daniel, Daniel was able to hear from the Lord, hear from an angel. This is what it means. I'm jumping ahead right now to after next week, but the real hope that we're talking about is Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. That's the hope of eternity. That's the hope of salvation. That's the hope of righteousness. That's the, that's the end all and be all. Everything that's been sent to us, everything that was on the way, the other end of opening that package is that Christ comes to live in you and now you live with the glory of God inside of you. That Hebrew scripture about this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, this is what it's talking about. Man, when he came to live inside of me and I felt his presence and I felt his glory, it gave me an anchor and I will not be moved until he either, he either returns or he calls me to heaven. I'm anchored. I will not be moved. 
I was talking to one of the young ladies in our church, and lately we've been enjoying talking about plays on words, how you can break a word down and, and have a, a certain meaning. And I sent her one. She sent me one, but then I sent her one back, and I used pastor, and I broke it into past or. I'm past or. There's no more or in my life. It's all Jesus or nothing. There is no going back. I'm anchored. I'm rooted. I'm convinced. I will not change. I will not turn. I am past or. Man, when Jesus comes to live inside of your heart and inside of your life, and you have the hope of glory alive in you, you too will be past or. <laughs> You'll have everything that you could have ever imagined, everything that you could have ever wanted. So as we worship, just two questions. First is, is there anybody here who would like to get past or? Past the options. Past that place where you think maybe there's some other hope in this world. And put all of your hope and all of your trust in Jesus. If you've never done that before, but you want to this morning, I want you to raise your hand so I can see you and I can pray for you and we can rejoice with all the hosts of heaven. You want to be saved. You want to put all your faith in Jesus. Raise your hand. I see you, girl. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. I used to get frustrated with my friends that could open their Christmas gifts on New Year or on Christmas Eve, but uh, I'm happy for you that you get the best gift a week before Christmas. Anybody else this morning? You want salvation? You want forgiveness? You want righteousness? Free of cost? Anybody? Raise your hand this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Second question is for anybody here that wants to be overwhelmed with hope. I want to open the altar for you guys. We talked about it during worship, but here again, we're asking you to respond to the Lord and say, you know what? What I saw and what I heard of hope this morning is the hope that I need, the hope that I want. There's some things that I'm challenged with. Maybe it's the heart. Maybe it's the humility. Maybe it's God hearing from me. Maybe it's waiting, knowing that some of this stuff is going to be in the future. Whatever it was, if God is speaking to you in the area of hope this morning, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till Christmas. Don't wait till Christmas Eve and have that sense of I hope what I want is under the tree. Come now to God and say, fill me with hope. Fill me with your hope, Lord. We're going to open the altars. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that love, your love for us is the conduit of hope. We come to this altar this morning stating our love for you. And we just ask that you would send hope through that love into our lives. We love you this morning. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Altars are open. Communion is open. Prayer team will pray with you if you're here at the altar. If you need specific prayer, let one of the prayer team members know, and we'll pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.